What is going on, everybody? How we doing? This is Nick with the Electric Juice Podcast, and today's guest is a man by the name of Luka Herkovic. He is a filmmaker, director, based out of Croatia, and he made a film called The Slice of Life. And when I actually saw this, this was uh, in my recommendations on my YouTube, and I checked it out. When I watched this film, I had to get this guy. Uh, he's been doing behind the scenes of this film, and the reason I wanted him is he uses miniatures. He made this blade. This is kind of like a throwback to like old school, like Blade Runner. Uh, it's kind of like a cyberpunk um, deal. And he built this whole miniature set, used it for all of his establishing shots. It's absolutely convincing. This film, if you haven't seen it, please check it out. The Slice of Life. He does BTS videos. They're just as impressive. Um, sh- kind of shows you breaks down of everything that he's done. Um, and his story is absolutely incredible. You know, him and his friends did this with absolutely no budget. They started this with, and just an idea, a lot of toying, a lot of playing around for months and months and months. Um, he got, he made a GoFundMe successful, raised $80,000 by just throwing up together a trailer. And yeah, you know, he talks all about it and his story is absolutely incredible. What he does is it's, it's probably the best short independent short film I've ever seen. Um, it's the, the look and feel of this thing is can't praise it enough. Can't give Luca enough praise for what he accomplished here. So let's get right into it. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a five-star rating on Apple iTunes. I would love you forever. And without further ado, my man, Luca Herkovich. All right, Luca, man. All right. Thanks for uh, doing the, uh, the podcast with me. I know we've been going back and forth. I'm glad we can make this happen. Uh, you know, I found your, um, I found your uh, movie Slice of Life on YouTube. It came up. It came up in my recommendations just randomly. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually the making of, and we were watching it. And like me, and my my girlfriend was doing something, and she turned and started watching it with me. And we're like, "Holy shit, man! Like these miniatures <laughs> and the war is unbelievable." Uh, so congratulations on the movie, man! It's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, let's talk about, let's get into it, man. Um, uh, because you know, my, mm-hmm. most of my, uh, my podcasts, I deal with miniature artists, the vast majority of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is something they're going to like a lot. I have a lot of friends that make a lot of independent movies. That I think they're going to like this a lot. So, um, let's kind of get into it. Uh, mm-hmm. talk to sure. me about the movie. Talk to me about the, uh, how you got into using miniatures. Oh, where to start? I mean, it was, um, well, um, I've always tried making movies ever since I was a kid, you know, ever since I got a first camera. And uh, Mm -hmm. I actually did the Slice of Life film with a friend called Dino. Uh, We were like two, the only two masterminds behind it, actually. We did everything ourselves. And it took us almost uh, over four years, actually, to to finish the film. And I don't know, since since always, I I just liked building, you know, miniature models, kits, right, store-bought models. Yeah, thanks, airplanes and stuff like that. And at some point, I don't know, I just said, like, why why not try to, you know, use these skills that I have since I was a kid uh, in in the films that I'm making, right? So this felt like a really nice uh, project where I could try to, you know, build a whole city with miniatures and see how it will turn out. And let me tell you, it wasn't easy in the beginning. (laughs) It was looking pretty crappy. At the beginning, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of a uh, lot of tweaking, ain't it? A lot of yeah. uh, a lot of fine tuning to get it to look right. I know that. Yeah, sure. It, it was just like we didn't know what to do at the beginning, right? I, I mean, I, I I knew how to build stuff, but filming it—that's a whole other thing, right? 
and it involved a lot of trials and errors and until we could find a you know technique to make it look good um do you think what i found you know like i do i do miniature work but i do mostly i do it with all photography i don't use um i don't use uh, uh film but do you um what I find is like obviously different materials, the way it looks in front of a camera, the way light reflects off of it is it's a huge part of selling the image. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, that's in my opinion, that's, that's the main difference from, from computer generated imagery, you know, all this, I don't know. It's just something about these imperfections that, that happen, you know, in, in a lens, in a, in the, on the model itself and everything. And it's somehow, you know, it just looks more real. I mean, I often think like it's not maybe it's not fair to say it you know like that because there's always some directors like like David Fincher I always think about his work you know he he uses a lot of CGI in his movies you, you can almost never tell right mm-hmm. in, in 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 these more movies like I don't know like Gone Girl or Zodiac or something like that that's not reliant on on CGI like for example Benjamin Button there's a lot of CGI in it a lot of set extensions set extensions city city shots and it looks perfect right so if you know how to use CGI I guess it's okay, of course, right? But somehow, you know, with miniatures, you almost always, it, even if it looks crappy, it looks charming. That's the difference. Yeah. And CGI, mm-hmm. it doesn't. You know, if it look, if, if it's crappy, it's crappy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it takes you out of the movie. But yeah, like yeah. you said, I think I think the uh, the miniature work. I know a lot of the feedback I get. There's just something. There's something about it. and It's almost hard to put your finger on it. But there's yeah. it just there's there's just something about it that makes it great. Um, and I think, you know, like, uh, you know, like your work, uh, you know, tell, tell me if you relate to this. A lot of people ask me questions about it. And the, the, the problem is there's not a lot of people that do it now. So it's kind of hard to like, there's not a lot of people to talk with it about to get better because there's not a lot of people that do it. Is that kind of the problem yeah. you had too? Well, yeah. I mean, like all, everything I actually learned, I learned from a couple of books that I bought. I just started researching, you know, the, all the miniature in movies, right? And I just tried to look for books and for in, for lit- literature where I could learn it. And uh, the the magazine called Cinefix was extremely helpful. I got hooked on it. It's a very uh, famous magazine. It was uh, coming out from the all, all the way from the eighties until the last year, I think. And they actually just stopped uh, existing because of the COVID, right? It it just they lost all the advertisement and everything and you know the last issue came maybe at the beginning of this year so there's like i don't know 150 issues that came out and the the early issues from the uh 80s they're full of information it's the most amazing place where you can learn about you know all these techniques not only miniatures but all the all kinds of visual effects from and special effects from from that era and that was that was amazing right so this i recommend this magazine a lot and also a couple other books right uh, Cinefix. Cinefix, okay. Yeah. Check that out, yeah. Yeah, and it, you can find it on eBay, you know, these old issues. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just, you know, I just read about uh, how they did it, actually. The the Blade Runner issue, because our film is obviously inspired by Blade Runner a lot. Mm. And yeah, there yeah. is a, there is one issue of Cinefix, mag- Cinefix magazine uh, uh, completely dedicated to Blade Runner. And I bought this one, and there's a lot of these cities, cityscape shots were explained in real detail how they did it. And I just said, okay, well, let's just try their techniques, how they did it. And, you know, it, it started from there. But, but of course, a lot of 
you know, stuff we had to completely uh, learn ourselves because you, you, you can read about it to, to a certain extent, but then you just got to try it. And when it looks crap, you just got to think of the ways, oh, how can we fix this? And every you know, new test looked a little bit better. And it was, yeah, slow process like that. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? I think for me, one of the most challenging aspects of photographing miniatures is trying to get it to look like there's depth in the photo. Was mm -hmm. that a problem you had with filming, like trying to make it look like there's actual depth and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, the the, the, the biggest re reveal, I think, in the miniature shots are if, if uh, shallow depth of focus, right? Yeah. And like the only way to overcome it is to close the aperture on your camera a lot. But then, of course, everything gets a lot more darker and you got to use uh, a lot more light. And um, in the old days, I actually read that... that they didn't have LED lights, right? It were tungsten or something. I don't know, just very, very hot lights. And sometimes, sometimes they used so much light in the uh, when they were shooting miniatures for major motion pictures. Uh, sometimes the miniatures would actually burst into flames or melt, right? Because they were made from, from plastic. And actually, yes, yeah, sometimes they really had fires, you know, on sets because of the insane amount of light. Uh, of course, today, like we don't have these problems anymore because first of all, we have LED lights and you can you can use those and they are not you know making so much heat and the other thing is cameras are a lot more sensitive you know these sensors are very good right these days so it was a little bit easier but still it was i don't know we used black magic camera it was one of their mm -hmm. first models 4k production camera and it wasn't that one wasn't really that sensitive as much as other more expensive cameras and we used this one because it was affordable we couldn't afford any afford, afford any other camera Blackmagic was, I don't know, a couple thousand bucks and you can buy a really, really good 4K camera. And if you want to use a more professional camera, it's that, then it's ten, tens of thousands of dollars, right? So you could only yeah. afford this one. And it's, you know, sometimes it was a, it was a problem because it, it was, some shots were very dark and we had to, I don't know, you know, just put more lights and stuff like that. And, but yeah, I mean, escaping this shallow depth of field was the major issue in, 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 and I mean, major thing in making it look uh, realistic, because you know, if you picture a city with a with a photo, with a camera or a, uh, or your phone, everything will be sharp because you know these buildings are huge, right? So you gotta yeah. make everything sharp in miniature as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I know the Black Magic is uh, it's definitely like for the cost, it's one of the best cameras out there. But I know, I know, mm -hmm. I, I, one of the biggest complaints has always been kind of like the low light. Doesn't yeah. really handle low light that well, but um, but like you said, but, if you want to go to like the Red or Alexia, I mean, you're looking thirty thousand dollars or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm I'm talking about the old Blackmagic camera. But now we bought the Pocket camera, six K uh, Blackmagic, okay. right? And they, they it's it's much better. In a few years, they completely you know made the difference in, in in their cameras, and this one is much more sensitive. You can turn the ISO much higher and still not get very noisy shots it. so it's yeah yeah it's very good yeah i recommend it definitely so, <laughs> yeah. yeah the i what well, yeah i quit following the black magic stuff about about five years when it, when it came out like what like six years ago i think the first model came out like six yeah. or seven years ago or something sure. something like that yeah. yeah that's when i was following it but recently i haven't been but uh now let's go with your miniatures did you did you build kits did you buy them how or from scratch or how did you get all your miniature buildings and stuff for the film right yeah, for the movie, uh, yep. It was just, um, mm, no, not kids, because 
you know, I mean, you, you, you can't really buy a futuristic building kit. There's not, you know, probably there's not many out there and it would be too expensive. So I just, yeah, we, we, we didn't have any money at, at the beginning of, of this project. We just funded everything ourselves. And the only way we could make it work was just to collect a lot of junk and, uh, you know, build stuff out of junk. So I, I was yeah, just, yeah. I, all my friends knew like, okay, they're making the movie, everything we don't need at home, like the old computers, old TVs, you know, keyboards, whatever, they would just bring to me. So my garage actually turned really quickly into a, you know, junkyard. <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I was just dismantling all this, you know, old uh, equipment, uh, old machines and stuff and uh, using the, the bits. The most, I mean, the, the major construction of the buildings was often... Um, what was it? Some kind of a plastic, like uh, Sintra or something. I, we, we don't actually have Sintra here in Croatia, but I mm-hmm. saw it's a term that, that's used in, I don't know, um, USA or something. So something like that, some some white plastic, right, that you can easily cut. Yeah, it, styrene. It, styrene, exactly, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, I used that, you know, to make the, the basic form of the building, sometimes MDF as well, uh, like three okay. millimeter, that's like, I don't know, 16th of an inch thick. Yeah. And, yeah. And those are like the most two, the two most uh, common building blocks for me, yeah. And then on top of that, I would just glue, you know, all this stuff, all this other stuff that I uh, took from old TVs and computers. And actually, there's a lot of useful stuff in them, you know, all these tiny capacitors and stuff like that, you know, that that, that can that can be. Um, I'm sorry, just I'm gonna mute my phone. Uh, they can they look like a miniature, you know. Um, tanks on on top of the buildings and stuff like that so it's um it, it wasn't really hard to do a to do a building and of course we uh we quickly learned that uh, since our movie is set at night and we pumped a lot of you know smoke in it to simulate the fog and to actually distance the buildings and it's raining all the time and actually you in the end what you end up seeing on the screen are mostly just silhouettes right of the buildings and of course it's always better if you make them more detailed, but I didn't have to do, you know, insane amount of detailing, you know, just make the silhouettes look, look interesting and, you know, glue all these tiny bits on the corners. And actually that already sold the whole shot. So, which was good. I would say because, so. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's totally believable, man. Like it's, yeah. uh, yeah. When, uh, well, I watched, I think you did like a little tutorial too. Like you, you did the, you did the, uh, the shots <clears> of the city then, but you were doing like a post work of like adding little spaceships flying through the, uh, mm-hmm. through the shot and stuff and the lights on the man, dude, it was pretty inspiring because, uh, man, that's, that, that, it seems like a lot of, uh, how long did each <laughs> shot take to do? I, I should say, cause it seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Well, people often ask me also how much did each building take? So for example, for, for a building, I took, it took three to four days to make one building. And when we had, I don't know, like 20 buildings or so, then we started making miniatures, filming miniature shots. And it took one day to get one shot. And these shots were often in the movie only for like, I don't know, five to 10 seconds, maybe. So it's, yeah, five seconds uh, in one day of work. And to actually, but that's only filming, right? Because we, we filmed them in passes, which is also very interesting. And we actually, that's how they did it in the old days. I can also explain like a little bit about how to, sh- how, what, what is it filming in passes and the, the compose compositing is also, I don't know, maybe two days per shot. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, altogether, it's a couple of days to get just one shot. And I think I forget how many shots we have 40 to 50 shots in, in short film in 25 minute film, 
That's it's it's not a lot compared to to movies today. Today movies have I don't know two thousand VFX shots, but I don't know in the eighties I don't know hundred to two hundred uh, shots were, was actually a lot for a blockbuster, and we have fifty in twenty five minutes. So we are yeah in the eighties territory definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about the passes. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know, did you have to use a uh, a motion control like rig on your slider? Is that how you did uh, that? Yes. If you if you want any movement in a shot, you gotta use motion control because with passes you gotta repeat the same pass you know every time with the mm-hmm. camera, and the only way you can do it with motion control. So at the very beginning, I think we did tests. We started doing tests without anything. We just put the camera on a tripod and just you know just to see how this idea of filming in passes will actually work. Um, then we said, okay, let's try to do the moving shots. And we actually had a normal slider and I bought a, a motor, right? A servo, servo motor from, from eBay. Okay. And we just did, did, we called it a redneck motion control. We just did it ourselves. We just, I don't know, somehow screwed the motor to the slider we already had. Just put some piece of a, I don't know, cable around it that was, that was driving it backwards and forwards. And it was very primitive. It had only one speed and we just, you know, started filming it with this. And actually, the, all, all, all the shots that are still in the trailer for the film that was released mm-hmm. two to three years before the actual film, we filmed with this uh, crappy um, uh, motion control. And it actually worked okay, but it, we were very limited with the, we, it only had one axis, you know, just from A to B. And then sure. ap- afterwards, afterwards, we did, a, after the trailer, we did the... Um, a Kickstarter campaign. We had a very successful campaign. Uh, if any of the uh, backers are listening, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> we actually got eighty thousand dollars for for the film, and we wow. find, that was that was like after two years of work of, of having no you know no money at all. It was very nice, and we actually had, uh, we could buy uh, some equipment at that point. We bought some three D printers, CNC machine to make uh, better miniatures, and. Uh, uh, motion control slider with three axes of movement, right? So that way we could do, you know, pans, tilts, and, you know, actually moving it. So, and at that point, uh, our shots actually came alive a lot more. It, we, we could, you know, program a lot of much cooler um, motions with the camera, and we ended up replacing all the other shots. I think there's only maybe one shot from the trailer that's actually in the movie. We replaced all the others because... You know, they looked much better than with the with the motion control. Yeah, but yes, I mean, it's a it, if you make a, your own slider with just one axis, that's pretty easy because I'm not a really good tech guy. I don't know how to you know program the Arduino and that kind of stuff. So the, the most I could do was just buy one motor and just make it you know go backwards and forwards, back and forth, and, right? Yeah, back and forth, and uh, that's something I, I think anybody could do, and it's. Good enough to start exper- experimenting with it if you're interested interested in that sort of stuff. But the um, the other three axes, uh, if it's store bought, it's it can get pretty expensive. It can, I think it costs like five thousand dollars or something when we bought it. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's not you know for everybody. We couldn't afford it without the Kickstarter. So yeah. Yeah, I know. I've lo- I've looked at them before to do. I want to do some like time lapses and stuff, some mov- moving time mm-hmm. lapses. And I was just like, oh man, that's a lot of money to drop on. Uh, exactly. <laughs> on yeah. One one thing that's pretty. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things. That it's like it's like if I personally bought it, I don't know how much I would use it. So, but uh, obviously for a movie, I mean, it, you go from a 
from a pretty cool shot to a really cool shot. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, everything that you bought for the movie seems like it's paid off in the end. I mean, uh, I mean, but I think w- probably what helped your Kickstarter, I would say probably would be that you show that you can do it, but with the extra, you know, you're basically with that money, you're pouring fuel on the fire for how much cooler the movie can be, right? I would yeah. say. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. I mean, yeah, at, at I mean, the point of Kickstarter, people actually did have a trailer and they did see, like, we managed to do something. And we said we actually, I think, filmed, at le- uh, we thought we filmed almost the whole movie, but then when we got, you know, the money from the Kickstarter, we said, okay, look, let's, ju- let's just make it better. Because at this point, we we had a much smaller movie in, the, in our heads, maybe 10 to 15 minutes, very small story. And it was basically just consisting uh, of a fight between the cop and the dealer. For somebody who, who, who saw the film, they will know what I'm talking about. And then after the Kickstarter, we said, oh, like, I mean, there's a lot of people right now that are actually waiting for the movie. Let's just make it bigger. Let's let's make it better. Let's d- develop the characters a little bit more. So we added 50% more scenes in the end. Yeah. And it took us then two more years to actually finish it. But but it was worth it. I mean, it's a nice, we're proud of the movie. Yeah. How long, how long, how much, uh, were you, is this something you guys were working on every day? Was it something you work on like a week, then take a break? Or how, how, oh. how, often, how much time were you putting in on it? <laughs> we were working for, I don't know, a week and then we took months off, unfortunately. That's why it took so long. We actually had, mm. we mostly had summers free because uh, Dino and me, we are, we actually are, um, we have a company for TV commercials and that's what we've been living from for, you know, through all these years. And uh, there was a lot of work and, you know, this client work and we couldn't actually do the film. Uh, so only the uh, summers were free when everybody was on vacation and we had, I don't know, let's say a month and we just planned everything ahead and spent a month filming and doing doing most that we can. And then it was, you know, maybe during winter holidays, again, two weeks of filming and then all the way till the other summer we had, you know, other types of work. So that's why it took so long. I mean, we calculated if we were just doing the film, we would make it, I don't know, maybe nine months or something. So yeah, yeah. What did the um? I know the shots like with the with the car. I know like the interior shots like you shot it in your garage or something. But how did you do the uh, when the car was actually flying? Like you kind of did like a motion around the car or something. How how did you do that? Yeah. So all the car shots interiors are filmed in a real car. We just bought a you know old uh, car from the eighties Citroen that was looking futuristic to us so that was that was all for the interior and Mm -hmm. every shot from outside was uh, filmed with a model it was pretty big because you know usually when when you have a hero car in a film it pays to build it bigger i think it was like one one sixth scale it was that's pretty big in centimeters maybe 50 60 centimeters yeah big i don't know in inches it's yeah 20 about a foot about a foot or two yeah yeah foot uh, so two foot, two feet actually, yeah. So, um, and I built this car, and we actually put a lot of lights in it because in the dark city, of course, lights are very interesting. So I think it had maybe forty LEDs in it, uh, and they were programmed uh, with the uh, Arduino. A friend did it for us, and then um, for all the flybys, we actually filmed, you know, a, a shot of the city, and then we had to comp in. Uh, the car and the car was filmed separately and also for the car we actually filmed a couple of uh, we actually mounted the car on the motion control slider and programmed the you know the turn that we needed for a certain shot yeah and just filmed passes again only the the lights on the car separately then only uh, uh, 
studio lights shining on the car separately and then the gr- uh, the car with the green screen behind so that we can cut it out right so it was a lot of passes yeah um and the shots when it's actually landing on a platform or uh, ascending lifting off the platform that's all that's actually just the car on a on fishing strings and actually yeah i just lowered it by hand or, or pulled it hilarious up. yeah that was, <laughs> Man, uh, dude like it told it was super impressive i was like i meant yeah dude it's it's very impressive man and uh it uh, you know i i think you know you had to use the most con- motion control for the exterior shots right like the, yeah. when it wraps around the car or whatever right yeah yeah exactly but yeah the, the, the i mean the motion control shots you can actually plan ahead you know you, you you when you see the shot of the city that you actually filmed you know what what the car needs to do uh, perspective wise to be to look realistic like it's in the real space and then you just mm-hmm. program it on the motion control slider shoot a test put it quickly in the in the composition if it works you know you're, you're good to go you just film the passes you need and you you're sure it's going to work but the the shots when it's actually you know uh, lifting off the platform or coming on the platform that's just that's just luck pure luck you can't control it because it's on fishing string right and you, you just gotta do 20 takes until one yeah. looks good that that's it and i mean it's it, it actually guys in hollywood when you're reading these memoirs of theirs in the in the magazines that that's the way they did it you know they just repeated takes until one looks mm-hmm. good and when you cut it in the film it's probably like you can use so much so many frames if you leave it in the movie for, I don't know, 10 more frames, it, the illusion would be ruined, you know? So it's all about editing as well. It's, yeah. It's big, well, really that's, yeah, that's, yeah. It, well, mo- yeah, movie work. You just uh, find the shots that work the best and you roll with it. Um, yeah. Now, what do you say, uh, you know, you had a successful uh, Kickstarter. Um, I know some of the people that are going to be listening to this, you know, I have a lot of, there's a lot, I'm part of the local film community around here. A lot of these guys do, you know, no budget movies, like a lot of these guys that work around here, what do you think? Uh, what what was part of the success to getting that Kickstarter off the ground? You know, eighty thousand dollars that's that's quite a bit of money for a uh, indie film to get off the ground. What was uh, what do you? What are some tips? Hmm. You think? <laughs> well, I don't know. Like we're we're thinking like if we ever do another one, like can we actually pull it off again? You know, you never know. I mean, it, it was again. It yeah. was a lot of you know a lot of luck was involved again. I don't know. Like people told us we had a really funny pitch video pitch videos i think are very important mm-hmm. and uh, i've seen some videos where people i don't know talk for five six minutes they're just alone in a room and just in a monotone voice you're just like you know i'm making this yeah and this. And it, it, it certainly doesn't help your chances we did a, a really snappy video minute and a half a minute and a half i think uh you know quickly edited lots of quick cuts we put some interesting music in it and we tell, told some jokes in the you know uh, amongst all the information so uh i don't know i guess that that people just thought oh these guys are cool and funny maybe you know let's let's just support them i think that was a big part of it and also we when we put the trailer out there we actually collected i don't know a hundred uh emails from all the big magazines from all around the, all around the world film blogs uh, you know stuff like that and we just sent out a small, you know, how do you call it? Um, news. No, I forgot the term. Like a press. Like press, a press, press, like press, 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 press,
a bit trailer in the small description of the project and we just sent it out and of course out of 100 emails we've sent 98 uh, we never answered but luckily uh, two of them were gizmodo and uh, verge two really 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 big platforms and it you know that, that also did some hype we got a lot of views on the trailer 2000 200,000 views i think on the trailer so you know it, it was also it helped the the Kickstarter campaign, definitely. So I don't know. I, I don't know what, what the tips would be, but you know, I don't know. Just <laughs> I don't know. Well, first, <laughs> I mean, I think first, your like you said, your Kickstarter video is short and to the point and snappy. Yeah. Like you said, like if you're if you're if you're freaking Kickstarter, is you talk in front of a camera for five minutes, man, I'm checked out. Yeah, checked exactly. out. I'm not going to yeah. donate. I don't care how cool the idea it is, but if you keep it short and snappy, you, your proof of concept with the trailer is is good like like okay these guys know what they're doing mm-hmm. that probably helps too as yeah, well sure, so sure. um and being you know getting on the verge probably helps too huh absolutely yeah but also yeah i mean <laughs> yes. sometimes people start to campaign and they say like we want to make a movie we, ha- we have we don't have anything at this point we need the money and of course if you have you know at least half of the movie already filmed and uh, you know you can showcase what you already did i guess you have more chances right than the other guy so yeah, yeah I don't know. Right. Try, try to do something in, in advance. Yeah. So do you think, okay, so your first one is, um, I, uh, that's cyberpunk, but, uh, or uh, what? what's the, like a Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. If you had to do another miniature type of style project, what do you mm-hmm. think would be something you could realistically do if you had to do a different genre? Ah, uh, yeah, that, that's something uh, I've been questioning myself uh, a lot because I, I I felt like when we were making Slice of Life, we actually we, we definitely were on a new ground for us and we learned a lot. But afterwards, you think like yes, well we had a lot of uh, we could cheat a lot because of the darkness, fog, rain, and stuff like that. So what if we had to do a daytime miniature shot? Like could we actually pull it? So pull it out, pull it off, pull it off. So um, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean uh, now we are actually working on a short actually just before i I, uh this podcast i was just filming something for the for this project uh we were for the last year we are actually working on a short documentary um for a croatian judo judo club and Uh um and we we wanted to um it's it's for the kids with cerebral palsy actually and it's a very interesting thing because uh, that's probably like the only one in the whole world where where you know kids with such difficulties are actually doing judo and it helps them with the uh yeah yeah right so um uh it's a short documentary and we decided to make it in a funny way you know and just make it you put put rock and roll music blues music in it and make it cool not like you know set violin type of stuff so and and in the beginning we just wanted to uh, start uh, the documentary with a judo master in a in a dojo you know looking over the fuji mountain and thinking about uh, life and what judo is all about and stuff like that. And then we said, okay, this is a nice opportunity to do miniatures again. Uh, and actually we, we didn't film it yet. I just, I, I built the uh, dojo model. It's like, I don't know, a feet uh, high. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to shoot, shoot it in a, like a golden hour type of thing, you know? So it's going to be mm. sunny, uh, close to sunset, but, but, but the daytime. So, in I think we in a couple of weeks you're gonna shoot it and we'll see how it turns out. So it's gonna be a really good test of, of something completely different from the short film, right? 
Right. But, but again, I, I, I definitely think we're going to pump a lot of smoke in it again and, you know, to use all these tricks that we <laughs> learned because it helps. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's, yeah, it's the only way you can actually create the distance between the layers. And I mean, you're working yeah. you know, a couple of feet of distance and you got to mimic, you know, miles and miles. So you got to use smoke and fog. Yeah, it's it's key. And, you know, and that was a trick actually I figured out by myself, too, as well, like a long time ago. And if you watch like the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, behind the scenes, they they mm-hmm. did the same. They did the exact same thing. They had sure. a little fucking thing with the, on a stick that shot out fog or whatever. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it works. So it works. But and I asked I asked this question about other genres because actually there's a film being made uh, and somebody reached out to me about building miniatures for their film. And, uh, and this, this guy, I mean, it's, it's a very ambitious idea. This guy wants, it's a fantasy daytime stuff. And I'm just mm-hmm. thinking like, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of work. And, um, you know, I'm just wondering like any tips that you might have when, uh, doing it. But I know, like you said, you use dark and rain to maybe yeah. help cover up any imperfections. And this is going to be during this. These are going to be a lot of day shots. And I, mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you had any ideas. For yeah. Tips. I mean, it's, that's like, uh, we, we, we did so much. I mean, in, in our commercial work in, in the, how do I say it, the TV commercials, we, we never use miniatures because we never had time or the budget for it. Right. You got to do a quick work, you know, it's, so it's always 3d or something else. And, um, um, but we, we, we are just so fed up with, with client work at this point. We just, you know, uh, we just take a, a couple of commercials here and there just to be able to pay the bills. And we're just focusing our, our whole, you know, spare time on our own projects. And somehow, I know in, in the past year or so, we got a couple of emails from not only amateur, you know, filmmakers, but actually some, uh, you know, known names in the industry Nothing like major, right? It's not like, unfortunately, like Spielberg contacted us, but but some people that you probably have seen movies from, and um, and they actually, yeah, they said we saw the film, we saw the miniature build video that you did, and it looks awesome. And would you be interested to in making some shots? And we have we were always just so reluctant to actually take a job like that because it's time wise, it's it's going to take a long time, and we at that time you can't actually work on your projects. And we try. We're trying to be, um, you know, authors that that make their own stuff. And uh, but another thing is like I always feel like when you're making something for somebody else, you gotta adhere to their rules. You you gotta adhere to their look, the look of their film. And if they don't use this, for example, if, if the whole scene is you know during daylight, as you said, without smoke or anything, you just you can't put a lot of smoke in the miniature shot because it's gonna you know it's not gonna look the same. And that's mm-hmm. why it's just like I, th- I think it's just um, it's much easier when you make some when you make something for yourself eh? because you know if if I can't make that shot I'm gonna rework the whole scene to to you yes. know just film it differently film it in another way that I can you know connect things and you can't do it if it's a paid gig so I don't know we just that's, yeah <laughs> I, that, that, you're speaking my language man because yeah. people like I get I get asked all the time for people. Like here, can I hire you to do this? And I always say no because I'm like, you, I, like you don't understand from initial idea to the final product. I had to change so many things to make this thing work. Exactly. And yeah. if it's your idea, I can't change. I have to do what you tell me to do. Yeah. You know, and uh, and yeah, it's just like there's so many variables, and that's why it's hard for me to take client work for miniature work 
because mm. things change. Sure. You know, I mean, it's maybe, not like maybe if you, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, like doing like, you know, like the guys with like the like, you know, like big projects. Let's just say Lord of the Rings, for example. Those guys had Mm -hmm. drawers. They had artists draw it all up. So when the miniature artists are actually working on it, they know, you know, they're looking at they know. I don't know. It's a lot more clear on how they can do it rather than like, here, I have an idea. Make a, uh, you know, make a make make me a fantasy castle or something. And you're just like, all right. uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but actually, when you say the fantasy castle, we we also had an idea. Maybe that's something that we're gonna make at at some point uh, about the World War II film that we that yeah we were just mm. playing with the idea, and that actually also looked like an interesting uh, project because we as filmmakers, Dino and me, we like textures a lot. We like we like the movies that are dirty, gritty. You know, a lot of textures, always raining and stuff. So and we, yeah. we always like to say that we learned that from Ridley Scott mostly because he's just. A filmmaker who whose films look like that. There's always something in the air. If he has a daylight scene, then okay, he's thinking. I guess he's thinking like, I can't put rain. It's sunny today. You know, what can I do? Ah, I can make the petals from the from the trees. You know, flying over or leaves or something. It's always something that's flying around, right? And he yeah. just he just feels the shots that way. So when when we make our films, we just we like that look, and definitely it's something that helps also with the miniature shots. So when we were thinking about them. World War II movie that's set in in the Eastern Europe. Uh, we also thought like there's a, there's a castle involved and everything, and we, we, of course we said like we're gonna do everything in miniatures because it's the most fun way of working, and because that's I guess it, we want it to be our signature look. And again, it's just gonna be you know old castle with a lot of texture, and it's gonna be always gloomy, and it's always gonna be you know almost sunset or something or night or dark and or cloudy. It's you're just thinking ahead. In, in making your making life easier, you know, for yourself. So, and again, that's not exactly. something you can always do for paid work. But maybe if there's no. some client who can, I don't know, who understands the process and he says, okay, look, I'm willing to, to let you experiment and we'll see, you know, we can also, we can always tweak it in editing if, you know, to make your miniature shots work or I don't know, but I, I don't know how that works. Maybe if people are actually that communicative. I don't know. Never had the experience. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, cause like you, like for you guys, you guys were, like you said, you worked underneath, underneath your own constraints. So sure. I mean, if you wanted, if you wanted to change something, you're, you're, you're the only guy that has to answer to it. So, and, and you know what? I'm, uh, the, the thing is like uh, the uh, limitations that you have actually, mm-hmm. they certainly affected our directing on the short film. We, Totally noted, noticed that because you envision, I don't know, we want camera to do this and this. And actually, when you got to film it, you have a real camera or a, you know, tripod or a motion control slider. And the shots are going to be limited in a way. You know, you can't do over the top shots like they, like they can do nowadays in CGI. And it definitely right. affected our movie. It was a slower movie, more like, you know, 80s vibe because they had the same problems like we had. Whenever they wanted to do a matte painting, they had to lock the shot off. It was a static shot. They could they could maybe zoom in a little bit over the course of the duration of the shot, but that's it, you know. So uh, it definitely affected our directing, and we actually liked it, right? Because somehow the movies are I don't know. It it, it feels like I don't know more realistic, more slower, and I often often like to tell the my my thoughts of. Uh, Compare, when I compare the Lord of the Rings that you mentioned, which had the most, mm-hmm. absolutely most amazing miniature VFX work 
ever, right? And yeah, they actually filmed actual models with the camera. They had a, the crane. They could do spiraling shot around the towers and stuff like that, but it was always a real camera. And then when you compare it to Hobbits, which are 99% CGI, no miniatures yeah. whatsoever in them, camera is all over the place. It's just, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's not the same thing. It's unwatchable nah. almost. So, yeah. Sometimes these limitations are good. That's what I want to say. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, like the, the, the Minas Tirith miniature, I mean, that thing is freaking legendary. Yes. <laughs> it takes up the whole room. It's like the... Yeah. yeah, it's the I mean, it's the king it's the king of all miniatures. And uh, have you seen? Uh, did you see the new Blade Runner twenty forty nine? They did like kind of like a five minute behind the scenes of their miniatures. Sure, I watched it like thirty times, I guess. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it's great. But I have I have um, how do you say like uh, mixed emotions about it? Yeah, I mean because um, I as far as I managed to to get from it, I, they actually did all these miniatures for just a couple of. For just a small introduction scene of a city sh- cityscape, city shots, right? Uh, and they did something for the mesa for the uh, the junkyard, right? So, but but in the movie, not many shots are uh, miniature shots. A lot of it is again CGI. And these shots that actually are miniature shots, they also they very much change them in the post. Uh, in the post, they added a lot of um, CGI fog and everything to make them look very foggy because that's what. Denis Villeneuve actually, all of his movies are very gloomy and very foggy, but not in a textured way like Ridley Scott would do. It's just like very clean. And so I guess they had to they had to do something with the miniature shots, and th- there's not that many miniatures left in them. Uh, so I don't know. It just maybe maybe it was a like a something to to like a publicity stunt or something maybe to make people more interested in it or something but it's not oh i don't know yeah, it could be maybe yeah that's, maybe that's too hard on them but yeah i don't i don't yeah. even mm-hmm. i i don't I, I only saw it when it came out and i i don't even remember then i watched that featurette a bunch and i was like oh wow and i haven't watched it again maybe i should but um i mean i'm interested to see if, if, if he's going to do any miniature work for dune um yeah or sure. if it's just all or if it's all uh i know timothy chalamet he in an interview he said there was a bunch of crazy set pieces that were made for that movie so but mm-hmm. miniatures i don't know but i'm sure after the movie comes out there'll be a bunch of behind the scenes stuff yeah. so we'll see speaking of dune the old dune had mm-hmm. th- that's like the most amazing miniature work like ever it's a. Uh, um, I, I I don't know the name of the guy I forgot, but I think he was Italian or something. And they did a lot of mm-hmm. um, they didn't often. I don't know Star Wars and films like that. Actually, uh, the movies that ILM worked on, they often uh, used uh, optical printers back then. Like they would so they would film miniatures separately, and they would leave um, a, a place in the shot for the actual film. The you know the actors and stuff like that, that, that that they actually filmed on sets, and then they would optically yeah. compose them together. You know. And in the Dune movie, they didn't do that. They actually built miniatures in front of the camera and they filmed, they left a hole and just filmed the real set, you know, meters and meters away. And it's, it just looks amazing. And if, if, you know, look, you should look it up on the internet. There's a lot of behind the scenes photos. It's yeah. Very oh, wow. Cool technique. Yeah, yeah. I will. Because I will. You get it in camera, you know, when you're filming. So it's, very clever and very cool, but I, I think it's. I mean, you gotta wait for the certain part of the day because of the sun. If you're filming outside, it has everything has to you know work. So it's probably very tedious. 
Sure. Right. The uh, so what scale? What scale? Uh, are you looking to work in bigger? Like I, I should say, I guess. Well, your city scale is probably different than you said. Like your main car scale. Like Definitely, your main car yeah. was big, but your city yeah. was like whatever one one sixtieth or whatever have, it is. I have no idea. I never calculated it, but it was definitely yeah, something like yeah, like that. Uh, but I think that's enough, actually. I mean, mm, it depends how close you want to come with the camera. We are actually filming. We're not filming. Oh, <laughs> we're long away. We're long away till that. But uh, we are actually preparing a, a feature film that hopefully we will get to do. And again, we're gonna. It's it's also a sci-fi, and we are definitely we definitely want to use miniatures again. And I don't think we're gonna change the scale of the city. Maybe make them a little bit bigger, but not not by much. I just think like. I would rather um, make buildings more detailed, you know, than make them bigger. Because I don't know the, the Minas Tirith model, for example, it was as big as a room, but they really came, you know, inches away from the model with the camera, and they really had to ultra detail it and just make it as big as they could. But for just like cityscapes that we are gonna do, like uh, the, like the ones we did in the short film, it's it's okay to make like three because my buildings were three feet tall. And that's enough, you know. And if you want to make an insert shot of just uh, one rooftop that's extremely detailed, you can just make this one, just the rooftop. You can you can make them make it uh, bigger, right? And just film it separately. So you know you can uh, cheat it a little bit, a little bit again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're getting, um, I know, like for the buildings that I make, I use one thirty fifth scale, like mil- uh, a lot of military. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like, like like people that do like military tanks and stuff like that. That's the scale I use. Mm-hmm. But um, when you want to get fine detail, man, like the, that's the stuff that takes forever. Um, yeah, where you can get like, the, where I can get the camera up like real close, so you can see like maybe like little graffiti or maybe little number like whatever, like the very fine detail. Sure, <laughs> it it, it, t- it takes a very long time. Um, like kind of like what you said is like with the stuff when you made in your garage, you're able to kind of whip it all together and you know in a couple of days or something. Sure. But yeah. when you're using, but when you're using like plaster and actual wood, it gets time consuming. But you know, but you know, in the end, it pays off though. Like if you can get yeah. if you can get up there pretty close, it pays off. Yeah, I mean, no, for the, for the short film, I was I did like ninety five percent of the models myself, and uh, I had another friend help us sometimes, right? And the only way I could actually do it myself was to just to make it sloppy, right? Because the camera couldn't see it, and I didn't care. But for the feature film. We definitely, you know, you just want to make, we just want to make the best buildings, you know, most detailed buildings as well, and, and you just make it upgrade, actually, you know, our capabilities. And for that, I mean, you definitely need a dedicated miniature crew, you know, at least, I don't know, five people making these buildings and spending a couple of weeks on each building, I guess, right? So it's it's going to be a long process until we actually find these people and, you know, you know get get all of it working and, yeah, but I don't know. We'll see how that works. And I, I, I just wanted to say one one thing, like in terms of uh, details, right? Uh, one thing that I actually wanted to try out for the short film, and I managed to find a company that, that that's doing it. It's uh, photo etching, and it's actually in, in 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 scale kits, you know, tanks and stuff. You get you get all these tiny photo etched parts, right? So I actually wanted to design my own stuff. I designed some, you know, satellite dishes, antennas, and stuff like that. In, in Adobe Illustrator, and I found a company in UK, uh, uh, forgot the name, P- PPD or some PPK, something like that. I don't know. No, Walter PPK is a gun. The James Bond says P- something, something three, three letters with the P. And um, 
they actually uh, it wasn't really expensive. I got a lot of, a lot of these sheets with the antennas on it for I think maybe like three hundred bucks. Maybe I mean it is it sounds a lot, but it's I, I really got a stack of them, right? And yes. uh, and we just placed these buildings all over the the miniature. Sorry, these antennas on the buildings that we made, and even though the whole building was pretty crappy. The antenna was insanely detailed because it's photo etched. You can get such filigree detail; it's it's unbelievable. And just this antenna on the top, you know, makes everything more realistic and much more detailed. So it's a, also a nice way to yes. to cheat a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you're um. Actually, funny you say that. Uh, do you do you follow the guy on Instagram called Tokyo Build? Uh, yeah, sure. He makes you, buildings do, do, from Tokyo. Do you know him? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Tokyo Build, the guy that makes like he makes the miniature models of Tokyo buildings. But his name is Christopher Robin, and I actually uh-huh. interviewed him on the podcast about a few uh-huh. months ago. He used the exact – I'm pr- 99% sure the company you're talking about he uses for his photo etch stuff. Mm-hmm. And he talked about it on when I with him too. Yeah, and like you said, the amount of detail you can get in photo etch is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um. The only problem I don't know what I have with photos. Tell me if uh, yours is different. Is like the special tools you need to like to bend it and curve it, put it together is mm-hmm. kind of a pain. But um, if you can figure out photo etch, man, it really it brings up your models to the next level, though. Yeah, well, I I, I imagine if you're doing like a thirty five uh, one one to thirty five uh, scale tank, you you're actually. Uh, it's just unbelievable how much you have to be careful and you know you can't put too much glue it's going to you're going to see the glue if you put too much i never had problems like that you know i was extremely sloppy when i was making i was just i wanted to do it fast so i didn't have any problems with with photo edge because i just you know i put it i, I actually sometimes used glue gun it's it's the worst thing you can use i mean it just puts glue <laughs> yeah. everywhere and this shitty lines that when you stop gluing you know just drag this line of of, of glue i just hate them you know like spider webs all yeah, over yeah. yeah. Ah, but i but i didn't care because the camera is not gonna see them because yeah but if, sure. you, if you're making a display piece you gotta be extremely careful and i guess i would yeah lose my nerves that, that then yeah 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 i mean photo is cool um so we're about 15 yeah. minutes here. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's uh, let's close, wrap this up. Let's. Uh, what was I going to ask you? Um, well, first, let's, before I, I, I was about to ask you something, where where can people find more information about Slice of Life, your future projects, all that stuff? Well, uh, we have a website, right? And uh, that we never update. So don't go to the website <laughs> because you're not going to learn anything <laughs> there. Uh, we have an Instagram that I'm trying to regularly update, so that's that's a cool thing to check out, and definitely the YouTube channel, because um, I'm trying to put out uh, videos, you know, as much as I can, which it's not that often, but I, I just I, I hope it's going to be at least one one video a month because uh, we have like I don't know like we're working on ten ti- ten things at the same time, so it's, this is just you know making videos is it's time consuming, right? And filming I was just filming this this dojo uh, that I was telling you about. I, I just I'm going to release the video maybe tomorrow, I think. And it's a 20-minute video about how I built it. And just recording yourself when you're, when you're building something, it's so annoying. It's just the camera gets in the way all the time. You, you got to think about not, uh, you know, covering everything with your hand. You got to work in very uncomfortable positions. You know, it's just, it's, it's pain in the ass. And then you get like five hours of, of, of material and you got to cut it down to 15 minutes. And it just, it takes days. So it's... It's definitely I like kudos to these guys who are just like putting out a video every every week, right? 
it's a job. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Well, well, I remember I was going to ask you last question. Mm-hmm. If you're, how much do you think before you got your Kickstarter, how much money would somebody need to make a similar movie to Slice of Life? How much money do you think they would have to to do to pull to pull out of their own? Zero. Is it ex- <laughs> zero? No. Zero. I mean, look, it depends. Of course, like we we never calculated the money that we spent on gas on on material like on paints, glues, because that's something like every couple of weeks you just buy something from your pocket money, and everybody yeah, has like, right. that amount of money. So we never like. Um, kept track about these things and if you're making everything yourself you're not paying anybody for their time as well so you know you, do, you don't need a lot of money and you you know if you have a couple of friends that, that can act in it or help you with the filming I think it's not that expensive but the downside is it's going to take forever right because you're doing everything yourself so I don't know like it's if, if you want to make if you wanna, if you want to make a movie in a couple of months, you gotta hire, uh, you know, people who with, with filming equipment, and uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a small crew. And if 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 you're able to find enthusiasts who are gonna work for free, that's you know good for you. But sometimes it's not the case, so I don't know. I mean, uh, okay, I'm actually I'm lying. It's it. Um, I didn't um, count in the equipment that we had. Like so, for somebody who doesn't have anything like a camera or stuff like that. That's the initial in, initial investment, or he needs to find somebody to work with. But we, since we are making these co- um, commercials, we had the Black Magic camera, we had some lights, so we had something to start with. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The, so I guess the, I guess yeah. if you have like if you have the starter equipment, you have the friends, six months, maybe five hundred bucks over yeah. six months, thousand bucks over six months, whatever it may be. Sure. You can make it's something cool. pretty pretty cool, you know, kind of like in the realm of slice of life, I yeah. should say. Maybe you know, obviously not as good as production, but pretty so or not so so somewhere in the league of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, sure. You know, people watch it. If people haven't watched it, but I mean I'm assuming anyone that's listening to this is probably what is gonna be have watched it by now. But if you haven't, watch it. Phenomenal movie. Uh, I loved it. Like I said, like I even said, I was on my on my computer where I'm sitting, and my girlfriend was on that bed behind me, and she stopped what she was doing, and she was like, "This is awesome," and I was like, "I know this is crazy." And then because um, we were watching, Ooh, yeah. I actually watched your behind the scenes stuff before I even watched the movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, for some fun, reason, man. Congr- the the video that I, that I did about how we actually created these shots somehow got you know it started trending. I don't know a couple of months ago, and actually yeah, yeah we, we got a lot of views. On that video, and then people who watched that video came to the film. So yeah, it was very in- interesting. Yeah. Well, they're a lot of fun, and like you said, they're pa- the pacing of them, just like your movie. Their pacing's fast; it doesn't really drag. You're kind of it's moving mm-hmm. along to the next step pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. congratulations, man! It's been a lot of fun, Luca. I thank you for coming on and talking with me about this. Thank you. No, it was it was my pleasure. Usually, we did a couple of podcasts, and everybody's talking about the film actually and what the film is about. And I don't care about that stuff. I only care about miniatures, right? So this was very, very, very. <laughs> this was extremely funny. No, not funny. It was fun, fun, fun for me. Yeah, just talk about miniatures for for an hour. It was amazing. I know. Yeah. They're fun. They're fun. They're miniatures are sweet, man. It's yeah. a dying art that I wish would come back, man. Ah, it's but, not uh, gonna die. It's not gonna die completely. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. People like us keep it alive, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're gonna. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'm gonna talk to you for one second after the pod. But uh, again, thank you, and make sure you check out everyone. Check out Luca's uh, social media in the notes, and we will talk to you next time. Bye bye.